Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Tell your chico pit boomers 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now that's, that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement and, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple podcast. Podcast one. Spotify. On today's show, we've got some Penguin and Alfred casting. And then on top of that, what about Harvey Dent? We're going to name some folks we think should get the role. And back to Fantastic Beasts, what's the latest? We're going to update you in just a moment. Hello, everyone. We are making your dreams come true today on Collider Movie Talk. Because guess what? There's no call sheet. We're not going to do the call sheet today. We are going to roll right what? into our discussion topics today. And we've got a great panel for you. Scott Menzel and John Roca. Hello. How goes it, guys? I'm great. Happy to be here. Always excited to be here with you, too. I love Wonderful. that Pixar shirt. It's fantastic. I like, I feel, I feel like we're, you're like shaming our button-ups right now because yeah. it's not as cool as that one. Yeah, dude. I had to stand out a little bit. <laughs> as always. We have some very hot topics today because we had a lot of Batman news drop yesterday, specifically that Colin Farrell is currently in negotiations to play the Penguin. And then if that deal goes through and this other deal goes through, he could be joining Andy Serkis in the movie, who is also in talks to play Alfred, mm. you guys hear this news yesterday. I mean, I know we've been talking about the Penguin for a little while, but for whatever reason, Colin Farrell for that role never crossed my mind yeah. whatsoever. Are you in the same boat as I am? Oh, never in a million years did his name come across my mind <laughs> for the Penguin. But that being said, I can totally see him in this role and nailing it. I really, I really can because... He's made such transitions in independent films. Uh, I think of the the killing of a sacred deer. Mm. I kind of see that character a little bit as the penguin. Mm. Um, of course, less creepy, but yeah. Know. I mean, certainly when you look at what they're doing with the penguin now, he is an. If, if they're going to go with the penguin that is running the nightclub and is the arbiter between the underworld and Gotham and the heroes, then you need someone who you could believe could be a smooth, charming guy running a nightclub, right? Um, we saw, uh, I forget the actor's name in Gotham, younger guy, skinnier. Robin yeah. Lloyd Taylor. Robin Lloyd Taylor. Robin Lloyd Taylor. Lloyd skinnier, Taylor. Skinnier guy, younger guy. So certainly, once again, in charge of that club, that kind of idea. So this is a different type of penguin. This isn't what we see with Burgess Meredith or with Danny DeVito. This is a new approach to the penguin to make him a little more of an interesting character, complex character. So, And there were a lot of rumors going around that people were turning down the penguin role because it wasn't big enough or it wasn't what they were looking for. But casting Colin Farrell lets you know that maybe that wasn't the truth, that the truth was they were looking, trying to find the right person to slide into this to be uh, this kind of character they want to do with 
the thing because you're going to make this kind of radical change. You got to cast a good actor that can make it believable. On the one hand, I can understand <laughs> folks passing on a role when it's not the big starring role, or mm. passing on a role in a superhero movie when it's all that pressure and you just right. don't want to deal with it. But isn't it kind of like the best of both worlds? I mean, you're working on a Matt Reeves Batman movie, and even if you don't have the biggest role in the world, it does sound like a project you probably want to be associated with right now. Yeah, I would think so. And not only that, I feel like. With how much DC has redeemed themselves over the last couple of years, there's probably going to be either a spinoff movie or sequels that mm-hmm. go along with this. Mm-hmm. So, like, why not jump on board now? Yeah, and I find it interesting, too, when you look at uh, Colin, <laughs> Colin Farrell here and then, of course, Andy Serkis. I love the idea of Andy Serkis being involved in this, mm-hmm. too, because... Andy brings once again this this cast all around from Pattinson to to uh, 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 sorry Dano uh, to Dano all yeah. the people that are involved in this situation Joy Kravitz they don't come with like we can put butts in seats it's yeah. more we're really good actors with good resumes both independent and mainstream films that have been successful all around with what they've been able to do so putting this cast together to me shows an approach that Matt Reeves is taking that's that is maybe the most serious approach to a Batman film I've ever seen. What is I don't also- know about oh, the most serious approach, but I like the fact that every single character has been cast with an actor that shows me that we're going to get a new layer to all of these mm. familiar characters. But, you know, you bring up the butts and seats thing. I think it's a smart idea for Warner Brothers to cast the, the best, the most interesting, the folks who can bring the most out of these roles. But... Like, who out there even guarantees butts and seats anymore anyway? That's why Mm -hmm. I think this is the right path to pursue. But I also think, you know, it's interesting seeing this cast kind of unfold and going to your point about the butts and seats. The thing is, when you you take a movie like Joker and you have Joaquin Phoenix, most people do not know who Joaquin Phoenix is. So now they know who he is because we live in our bubble in our film world where we know who he is. Mm -hmm. But most people didn't see most of his work. So now he's become a household name because of that. And these actors in the same, in, in a lot of ways are the same. Not a lot of people really know who Paul Dano is. We know it because right. we live in our bubble. But yeah. that's kind of what I see from this. Well, I think that's why you lead with Pattinson. Yeah. Because Pattinson has a record, yeah. of, right. a track record of putting right. butts in seats with the Twilight stuff. Yes. So you lead with him. And if you haven't seen The King yet, I know, Perry, we talked about yes. it. You got to, he has maybe four it's or five scenes. He's incredible. I heard he's the best thing about it. Well, I don't know about that, but I certainly (laughs) think he's one of the essentially good things about it. And when he shows up and plays the character, the Dauphin that he plays, you're just like shocked that Pattinson can do this. And then it gives you hope that, or excitement rather, of what he's going to do with the That is one of the coolest things about almost every single person on uh, this cast list right now Mm. is that they have such a wide range. I mean, even look at what Colin Farrell's done between, you know, playing, you know, darker... I love that you brought up Killing of a Sacred Deer because now I've got that ingrained in my mind Mm -hmm. and I kind of like it. But, you know, even Pattinson, I mean, look at his resume in the past four years alone. He can do just about anything. And I think you actually see, like, almost the entirety of his range in the lighthouse. So if you need any more convincing with him go see the lighthouse because that is one heck of a performance the only one at this point that i'm still on the fence about a little bit but i have a lot of faith in is zoe kravitz just because most of the things that i've seen her in i think she's underutilized or doesn't get a role that is equal to what she's capable of Mm -hmm. but uh andy circus is another great one to look at because we always sit here and applaud him for his motion capture work there are tons of films out there where you see his face and he is phenomenal in them my favorite of which is 13 Going on 30. I was just going to say, you, you compare 13 Going on 30, the sweet Andy Circus role. It's so good. To, to Caesar, and then throw in what he does as Ulysses Claw in the Black Panther series yeah, and yes. in Avengers. He is scary. Those those forearms are unsettling as hell. I haven't seen forearms that unsettling since Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. So you're just like, this is an interesting cat that can play all these different things. And so you're like, okay, this once again makes it exciting, makes it different, makes it new. And you feel like... It, electricity from this cast and i like that and so, i like to see him kind of branch out more because yeah, i think yeah. it's like he's become known as the guy for motion motion capture right so to see him kind of take on more and more roles is something that i'm happy about i'm also very happy that he's also directing more because i know his yeah. first couple directing mm. efforts were not very well received even though i like them i know a lot of people did not but i would like to see him 
kind of still do that as well. Yeah. So we have solidified that we are all very excited for all the individuals that have yes. been added to the cast of the Batman. Still iffy on Zoe Kravitz. I'm with okay. you on that. All right. <laughs> the question I have for you guys, though, because we kind of played this game with Joker, where, yes, Joaquin Phoenix was our headliner, but then they add folks like Zazie Beetz, who I think had a significant role, but someone like Brian Tyree Henry, who is yes. in the movie for a hot second. Should we be bracing ourselves for that kind of result with specific folks added to this project, too? Not for these type of characters. I feel like these are central characters. Mm -hmm. Um, With Joker, we always knew that the focus was going to be on the Joker character. So I I understand why the other ones were secondary. And this one, they may not get that much screen time this time around, but they're going to be, they're going to play a role into the future of this universe. Yeah, and I I think it's so weird to me because I don't have that vibe that I've had with other superhero Mm -hmm. movies where you're like, there's too many villains, there's too many. This feels like. Reeves is wanting to yes. populate this world right. with these characters, with these actors, so it feels very lived in. And also, if you're going to do Long Halloween, this makes so much sense if they're going to follow that storyline to have all these people involved in certain junk. And I think this is why you cast the way you cast, because if there's still limited screen time, they're going to have an effect on you, right? I just mentioned Pattinson in four scenes in The King. He stands out, three scenes maybe even, and you go, okay, I remember him from the film. Mm-hmm. So that's why you cast Dano, you cast Colin Farrell, you cast... Andy Serkis, you cast, even Zoe Kravitz, you want to remember them with the limited screen time if you give them. <clears throat> and I think that's what's going to happen here. I sort of think, like, I know it's not going to be campy like the no. like this, the series was, right, right. but I'm thinking about, like, the way that the villains always came together on that series, the Adam West one. Yeah. So, like, maybe is that what they're working towards? Yeah. Which I'm kind of excited about. I would, I would want to see that. Yes. I don't know how they can make that happen in in a way that best suits the tone of the movie that I'm envisioning at this point, at least. I mean, all this talk, I really, I can't wait to see something like, I mean, even just some concept art, anything, like a little more, Mm. you know, concrete details to kind of put this all into focus. But before we even get there, our second topic today is another Batman story because... Apparently, they are going to be casting a Harvey Dent in the near future also. So the reason that we're bringing this one up is because after all this news broke yesterday, Justin Kroll of Variety tweeted, did hear a certain member of the Roy family was asked to play the Dent role, but they ended up passing. So we're going to get into a little dream casting for Harvey Dent, Two-Face in just a minute. But he says the Roy family. Who do you think it was? Oh, who do you think, Scott? I really don't know. Yeah? I have no clue. What do Jer- you think? Jeremy Strong. That, that would be my, really? my bet. You know what he's talking about when he says the Roy family, right? Uh, no, I don't. All right. I'm, I'm newly obsessed with yeah, Succession, yeah. but it's Succession. It's, oh, it's the Roy them. family in Succession. I just started the other day. It's so good. Episode one. I watched it's the so pilot. Good. Yeah. And I'm in, but none of those people, I think, <laughs> could play You have Two-Face. only scratched the surface of that show. I love Matthew McFadden from Ripper Street. See, that's what we were discussing yesterday, yeah. that he might have been the one. McFadden has played some strong characters in British television and films before, so you don't get him confused with what the characters playing here. I mean, Brian Cox would have been excellent Two Face for God's sakes. Back Brian on Cox game. is good in right? any role. Like right. I would have watched right. Brian Cox in any part in the Batman. I love an old Penguin role with Brian Cox <laughs> as the Penguin, re- re- recounting his life or one last criminal adventure. But yeah, I don't know if anybody. Colkin would be an interesting choice as well. well. Kieran Colkin is another one guy. that I think could have been cast in any one of these roles, whether it's a Harvey Dent, a Penguin, or a Riddler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see Colkin as Riddler. Absolutely. He's My so good on that show. But uh, yeah. you the think Matthew Jeremy McFadden Strong? one. Is that who, who you're yeah, going with? Is that the that, main guy, the main that's son? Just, yeah, that's okay. the one who plays Kendall. Yeah. That's just the that's just the person in the cast that kind of stuck out to me first. Mm. And I don't know. I feel like after the success, after the success of Succession, <laughs> they're all being teed up and probably getting offers, you know, left and right right now. And yeah, at this point, I'm just about finished with the first season. Yeah. He is largely the anchor of that show. I, I would throw in another show that I'm about to start probably this weekend. Billions. <laughs> I think Damien Lewis would be fantastic. Oh, that's a good Two Face. Yeah. I think wait, he'd wait. be great. So you you like uh, you like him, but I have yeah. a list here. So okay. an article just went up on Collider.com, written by good old Jeff Snyder, and <laughs> Jeff throws out a lot of uh, a lot of names for this role. So. 
I feel like we should put the camera somewhat somehow on the two of them because I'm curious <laughs> to get your initial reaction when I say these names. Ready? Okay, the first okay, name okay. on Jeff's list, Adam Driver. Ooh. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Okay. He'd overpower yeah. the rest of the cast, though, I think, Driver. Yes, he would. Right? Yes, With his... Would. Yeah, all right. Especially after I seeing like him it. in a marriage story. All right. Here's the next one. Rebecca Ferguson. What? <laughs> <laughs> I like her for Poison Ivy. Admittedly, I admittedly I thought the same yeah. thing. There is no reason why a mm. woman cannot play true. this role. The no, it's hundred percent true. It's, but it's just like after Doctor Sleep, also, that's and why how, how, how like, good yeah. she is as Rose the Hat. I mean, she's another one that I'm convinced mm. can do just about anything. She can, she can but I don't know. That, <laughs> as much as I love her, admittedly, yeah, yeah. I think there are better fits yeah. on this list. Like maybe. Sterling K. Brown. Ooh. Oh, I love Sterling K. Yeah. Brown. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorites yeah. here. Anything yeah. that removes him off This Is Us, I'm for. I'm for. I do, do not, not like, like that show. Us? I do not like oh, that show. Oh, I love show. that show. Do you yeah. keep you up would with like that show. show. <laughs> you would, Scott. <laughs> You're insane. Do you keep up with it? Uh, I've tried. It's the most manipulative show on television. I cannot oh, just, give it my time. Just like life itself. Yeah. Actually... So there's no uh, there's no embargo on last Christmas, right? You guys were able to tweet yeah, reactions. Yeah, I tweeted about it. So it's funny. It's funny to me that don't you, tell Adam though. I mean, it's funny to me that you didn't like that movie, but you like This Is Us. This and Is you Us like is very relatable. Movie. It's very honest, and, and and the thing that people. <laughs> oh no, dude, Robin, dude, don't lean back. Dude, that is dude, honest dude, about dude. that show. Okay, first of all, as someone who grew up in a household where we had foster kids uh-huh. and we adopted children. That storyline right from the get-go of the movie, uh, of the show, that connected with me. Okay. And I feel like that connects with a lot of audiences as well. Clearly, yeah. The other thing that's really special about that show is that it's a show that takes place in different areas of the country. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have the Philadelphia, New York storyline, and then you have the L.A. storyline. Those stories all connect with different viewers, and that's why the show is such such a success. Yeah, and I hear you. The thing is, it cops out every single time Why? when it's supposed to. It cops out to the happy ending every single time. It, you, I don't, they take they take sayings off the wall and go, "Oh, these sayings, this works for I me." I don't think it always. I don't oh. think it always has a happy all right. ending at all. All right, I don't think. Okay, it's the most dramatic show. Like people cry all the time. I, I know mean, they not do. Th- Trust not me. this. Not this season, which I, I think is refreshing because mm-hmm. I feel like this season hasn't had anything that like heavy that has happened yet. Right. But that last episode from yesterday was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then it's, again, a look at... You have to understand with, with This Is Us, which makes it special, is a lot of white audience members are not going to watch a show with black characters in, in like, middle America. And this show has kind of been accepted all over the world, and including mm-hmm. middle America. Mm-hmm. So they're getting introduced to those storylines in this, in this show. And that's what makes it so incredibly special because now they're kind of relating and understanding the perspectives of like, maybe I shouldn't judge a person. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't know. I, okay. I disagree with you. I think it's I, really I feel special. the same way about last Christmas. Shouldn't judge a person. Embrace your life. There's positive things going on in the world. Where do you guys stand on life itself? <laughs> life itself? I'm okay on it. Okay. All right. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Next, <laughs> next one on Jeff's list here is Daniel Kaluuya. Ooh, I like it. A bit young. But it works actually time wise. If you if you're gonna play, see, my mindset is this: if Harvey Dent's, if they're gonna play the storyline, that Harvey Dent is Bruce Wayne's best friend growing up, yeah. And this thing, which is some of the which is some of the narrative with Two Face, then you the Kaluuya Pattinson thing actually kind of works. It's actually and, something we haven't really seen on yeah, screen with exactly. that cat. Like that intrigues me. Yeah, it's been played before that way in the comics. So okay, yeah. would that be because Hush did that as well? with his childhood friend, but this is more of like a competitive nature to them and friendship. Yeah. Kaluuya and Pattinson works because they can alternate dominant and submissive in terms of status, uh, depending on the scene with each other. And I like that idea. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's one of these up and coming actors. And if he got an opportunity to be in a role like this, I think it would really, I mean, solidify his career yep. in the industry. I really do. I think we got a we got a suggestion in the chat right now. Daniel Logan said John Hamm should be Harvey Dent. 
It's that's too obvious. It feels like people. I mean, it's just like Ma- the Matthew McConaughey <laughs> thing, right? Like yeah. I just feel like that's so on the nose. Wait, well, we have a lot of good suggestions. <laughs> what, what about Jay Scott for real is saying uh, Dan Stevens? Dan Stevens. Dan, Dan Stevens, Stevens is really great. That, that yeah, seems yeah. spot on to me. Yeah. If you have not seen the guest, you need to watch yeah, that. Really if Dan great. Stevens goes, then you're playing more a mentor type of situation between Harvey Dent and Thomas. I mean, sorry, Bruce Wayne, and that could be very interesting as well. Wait, yeah. I got I got more good ones here. Wow, the chat is yeah. really on fire right now. How about this from Matt Link? Would it be too much to have Christian Bale as Two Face? Yes, yes, it would. Yes, yes, it would. I don't know. I think that would be a very interesting experiment and probably an interesting acting experience for uh, for Bale to be on one <laughs> side of the coin and then go to the other. I just wonder if it would distract no. the audiences. Like, it no. would mess Maybe. up with this trilogy. No. It's fair. That's a, a fair yeah. concern. Could you imagine the criticism about that? Exactly. Yeah, it's just like, uh, all right, wait, a, a few more names here from the chat. Death Star Kitty says Hugh Laurie. Maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> How about from, uh, <laughs> did I like say this 50s. one from Matt Link? Michael Fassbender. Uh, no. he, he could no. use it. He could use it, but no. But I, I would I mean, love yeah. Fassbender as Batman. Down an older well, Batman. Wasn't he originally like one of the people? Like, yeah, that they were kicking like, around the conversation. Yeah, he had to have been in the mix at some he point. He would have been yeah. an incredible Batman. Yes, he would. Now he's not busy with the X Men films, so maybe he's got free time. Let's get into he some need, of like he, the. His agent needs to work on getting him some better work right now, I feel like. The last couple of movies have not played last, to his. The last strengths. couple? Yeah. The last couple. Yeah. <laughs> I think the last thing of his that I can remember seeing that I really liked was probably Slow West. Yes. yes. Good film. Yes. Let's get into some of uh, Jeff's, I mean, kind of like out of left field suggestions here. No, not from Snyder. You ready for this one? Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> no. Jennifer Lopez. No. No. That is a no-go. How about <laughs> Melissa McCarthy? That is a no-go. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> that is a no-go. Nope. I, okay. Here's one that I, that I really like. Um, Sam Rockwell. Oh, yeah. yeah he yeah. can use it. It would be a nice change of pace from the racist characters. I would like to see him do something different. I also yeah. maybe he can make Harvey Dent racist. I've oh, got another go. uh, another female option who I think could be spot on as well. Right. Jennifer Jason Leigh. It'd be interesting, especially on the mm-hmm. um, what she did in Hateful mm-hmm. Eight. That mm-hmm. that one yeah. is is really jumping out at yeah. me right now. Yeah, that's good. I'm surprised she's not being cast in like 30 things yeah. off of Hateful Eight. I thought, I thought we were going to be on a yep. Jennifer Jason Lee high yep. after Hateful Eight. We were going to see her cast left and right and everything, and I don't know why that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know why. Either. Maybe it's her choice. Did you Maybe see her in yeah, Atypical? No, Have you guys be. been watching Atypical? No. She's great in that. Mm. She's great. Okay. She's the mom in that. I got to okay. put that on the list, too, amongst other things. One of the uh, one of the up and comer options that Jeff put on his list that I am always rooting for is Kelvin Harrison Jr. Oh, oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And he, in his write up, I believe, specifically mentioned loose and mm. what that mean could mean for him in a role like this. So, you know, it would be casting very very young, but yeah. he's another one that I am just firmly convinced is capable of anything. Hundred oh, well, percent. Coming out of uh, last Christmas, I like I wouldn't mind seeing Henry Golding. I think he was. Absolutely charming last night and smooth AF. So I would love, I would love to see him like do a Harvey Dent type of thing and then see the change as it progresses. Because if you go with a trilogy, maybe he's not Two Face at the beginning. He's, he progresses into Two Face like they were originally going to do with Billy D. Williams and the Tim Burton. Uh, it depends. Batman. It depends on the structure that they're going to go with the cast of mm-hmm. this. Because if you go the traditional route, I can see him just like yeah. I can see Matthew McConaughey. But like, yeah, if they really want to mix this up, I'm I'm going to draw my my suggestion, John Cho. Which I, oh, I think John that Cho's is what good. they're firm firmly like. They're digging their feet in the ground right now, and they're saying that's what this movie is yeah, because yeah. I think every single bit of casting news we've gotten has been to a degree out of left field. Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect yeah. getting that role, and so that's why anybody, I think John Cho would be great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, John Cho is always an excellent choice. I think for just about anything. Yeah. If, if I had to pick one person right now that I, re- I I'm really into the Jennifer Jason Lee. Really? I, I think I really want to see that happen. Rogue, yeah, if you I mean, it would, just it would, one. Who would it be? I think I like the Kaluuya choices being so right. kind of interesting and 
out of left field, and I like the idea of a black-white dynamic in Gotham because certainly Matt Reeves is making very clear that he wants to uh, focus on that with the with uh, Jeffrey Wright being cast as Jim Gordon and Zoe Kravitz as Batwoman. So I mean Catwoman rather. So there's more uh, of a diverse cast. So I like that idea. I have one more excellent okay. suggestion from the live chat. Mm. Carlos Lopez just wrote: If they want to gender swap Harvey Dent, what about Regina King? She's amazing in Watchmen. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm yeah. all in on that one. Mm. That's a good that's a good choice, but then I also think can you know, can they work in these two different comic book areas? Mm. That's something that always becomes a problem, right? For fans, it's like, oh well she's this character on this show. But it's uh It's both DC. I know it's both DC. Yeah. It's so which... different. And I feel like like Watchmen is is doing such a specific thing right now that isn't necessarily like it's definitely become event television right. and it's successful, but it's not necessarily a crowd pleaser. And I'm not saying right. that this Batman movie is gonna be that either, but I feel like when you go after like a specific audience and create a very specific fan base, that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily run the risk of confusing viewers. Like let's say if someone was cast as Superman and Captain America. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm going to go with Olivia Wilde for, mm. for that. That could be good. Okay. You, you don't like that, Perry? I think it's because... I, I mean, can you name a movie where she played someone, you know, like a little more sinister? Uh, a vigilante. Oh, okay. Mm. No, that's a good... All right. No, I'm, I'm, the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm opening up to it. Because if you look, I mean, just like look at her facial structure, I feel like it would have a very, like a very interesting tone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm serious. I don't know what it is about someone's facial structure that makes them appropriate for Two-Face, but I'm still all for it. That's why. Because it has like two very distinct tones. And with the makeup, I think they could do a really great job with it. Oh. And her eyes really pop. Mm. No, that's true. Like Keith Stanfield would be interesting. Um, actually, that's one of the, I think that's one, yeah, that's one of the few names that I didn't get to that's on Jeff's list. I think that's a great choice. Lakeith Stanfield, he is another one that can do anything. Go, go watch three Lakeith Stanfield movies and I would like to bet you get three wildly different characters. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we have like a whole bunch of really solid suggestions and I don't know, now that we got this. And it's going to be none of them. (laughs) you never know because i can't remember who it was but i'm pretty sure that someone on movie talk said circus for alfred oh yeah in the past few weeks so you never you never know and hopefully now that we have these two character details we could be getting more in the very near future i mean they got to start firming up every major role at this point when does it start filming it starts filming of course, this is not going to be in my endless notes right now. It's got to start filming very soon. That's what I thought. But yeah. I, I very, very, very soon because the movie and uh, the movie hits theaters uh, June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. I believe it starts oh, filming wow. in in it's, it has to be early twenty twenty. Mm, right. Yeah. Has so to. hurry up, cast the rest of this film, <laughs> picture everything. All right. That's it for our Batman topics, but we have more coming your way soon on Fantastic Beasts, and also we will talk about that whole James Dean thing. But first, some ads for some great Collider Video content like this. What's up, Collider Video fans? Josh McCuga here. I'm the host of a brand new show on Collider called The Rumor Mill. Now, we're live every single Wednesday at 2 p.m., but we're live on the Collider Video Twitter. So you have to subscribe there if you want to interact live with us. If you want to throw in some rumors of your own that we want to incorporate in the show, you have to tune in live. Now, you can watch the show on YouTube later. But again, if you want to watch live with me and three panelists getting rowdy, giving points to each other, and just yelling rumors, you need to tune in live on the Collider Video Twitter 2 p.m. every single Wednesday. Hey guys, it's Riley here. Let me tell you about the Riley Roundtable. You know it, right? It drops every Thursday on Collider Conversations. And I have guests from all across the space. John Roca, Gray Drake, Alexander Desplat came on at one point. We talk everything from movies, we talk about life, and everything in between. What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? It's the Riley Roundtable every Thursday on Collider Conversations. You get it there. It's well, so rare that people see it. Right? So <laughs> as, as I'm talking about, this is us again. Sorry this about that. This is us conversation. <laughs> it's still going It's continuing. Sorry. Uh, TV we, talk now. We can keep talking about uh, the show, or we can move on to Fantastic Beasts, because in addition, I mean, you guys are kind of split on that one. Yes, you, we are. Yeah. Sorry. Both big Harry Potter fans. Actually, right. you're both split on that, too. So just to give you a little bit of the lay of the land here, not a Fantastic Beasts fan, a Fantastic yes. Beasts fan. Mm. 
And I love the second one. I thought the first one was like not very good at all, but the huh. second one was really good. Because like <laughs> I thought the first one was a solid start, a solid yeah. enough start, yeah. and then the second one just felt like a big giant middle finger to me, and I well, yeah. I did not want to carry on with this franchise. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, that's what's great about this show, right? And that's what's great about mm. film criticism in general yep. is that we all have different opinions right. and none of us are right and none exactly. of us are wrong. Right. Well, the fans will t- tell, let us know if we're right or wrong. Right, they're, right. they're certainly keen <laughs> on doing that. Yeah. But, right. but I would say, yeah, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, Perry. Go ahead. Do you, wanna, do you want to weigh in on why you're so against uh, yeah, Crimes of Grindelwald? I, I agree with you. The first one was a nice, solid start. Certainly the romance between Goldie and, uh, uh, um, uh, I forget uh, his character. That was a really sweet romance. That's what kept me in the New film. Uh, huh? Wait, wait, who are we talking oh, about? Yeah, right now? Um, which character are we talking <laughs> about? The, two, the, the guy now. who runs the, the bakery and the girl. Goldie, isn't that the girl? Queenie. 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 I'm sorry, yes. Queenie. Queenie yes. Sorry, I was thinking Queen Slim, my bad. Queenie. Yeah, she's her. their romance is what kept me in the first one. Okay. Right? In the second film, though, what they did with Queenie by undercutting her, making some kind of a slave to, to this new order of book, I thought they really took away her power that she had developed in the first film. It really was frustrating for me to see that. I thought they didn't use uh, Johnny Depp well as Grindelwald and it felt flaccid a lot of the time and and, and you got to have that sense of dread if you're going to come with a new version of Harry Potter that's connected to the universe you need to bring a little more sense of dread to the film and I didn't feel that way that being said Jude Law being introduced as Albus Dumbledore is the highlight of that mm-hmm. movie and Eddie Redmayne I think is a bit of a boring lead for this for this franchise now so to to hear what we're going to talk about that they're trying they're going to move this next one to where Albus is more of a lead and more uh, at more uh, taking f- uh, center stage in this that excites me. This is how it's put in uh, the reports that are out there right now. Part three is expected to put more of a spotlight on Jude Law's young Albus Dumbledore and set more action at Hogwarts. Do you think that is something that could get this franchise back on track? Because the other thing to weigh in here is Warner Brothers is apparently still planning to make good on its promise to deliver five films total. Mm. I mean, that right there is the biggest red flag in the world to me. Yes, Dumbledore and Hogwarts does give me some hope, but... I, I mean, this is it's a spinoff series with diminishing returns, and we know how hard it is to come back from that. It's like the second you see film one make a decent amount of money and then the drop off that it had with film two, the odds of it ticking back up with three are, are kind of slim. I, I'm not going to disagree with that point. I, I think this is the problem with Hollywood in general right now is that they get so hooked on like a, a particular brand and, mm. and they milk it to death. So... While I will be the only one on this panel who will happily admit that I enjoyed the second movie, I do understand the fatigue that people are feeling and then also trying to tell a story based on a book that was about this thick mm-hmm. right. and just trying to expand this world and create a whole other universe when you already had, what, nine movies that people love and adore and have theme parks made out of them. So I, I, I think it's, it's a risky move at this point. I think it's a very risky move. I think this is going to be the last chance they have to redeem this because if if fans come back to this universe now and they focus on stuff that the fans want, maybe it'll help. But I feel like fans are kind of mixed on the last two movies, yeah. right? Like there there was there was people like me who thought like, "Oh, I like where this is going." And then there's people like you you guys where you're like, "I really cannot stand where this is going right now." Mm-hmm. So that seems to be the general consensus. It's either people are on the fence 50-50. So right now, they are firmly planning to continue with this five-film arc that they set we'll out see. from the very beginning. Do you th- Let's say Fantastic Beasts 3 comes out and the worldwide total dips a little bit more. Do you think those plans go in the trash at that point, or do you think they still push forward? No, I think they go in the trash. Yeah, yeah it's like Transformers, right? They had to make this adjustment after last night came back and did not make the Michael Bay numbers that it had done before, so they made an adjustment and went a new route. I think Daniel Clove's coming back to help J.K. write this uh, installment I think excites Harry Potter fans yeah. and gives them hope that maybe they'll... Steve Close. I'm sorry, Steve Close. My, my brain today. They'll adjust things to make it work and go back to the vibe of those uh, original Harry Potter movies that made people fall in love with them. Nothing is J.K., she wrote the first two. A lot of people had complaints about the scripts in the first two oh, films. Yeah. And so you're like, well, you bring in Daniel Cloves who helped her or helped Steve. <laughs> Sir Steve. Damn it. Daniel Kaluuya is what I'm trying to say. Damn it. Anyway, Steve Cloves. You, you bring want in Steve Cloves. in this world too? 
<laughs> Bring him in. Anyway, this, is, this is us. Is no, I'm sorry, Daniel Clubs. Anyway, uh, Steve Clubs coming in here. Uh, I really like the idea of him being a part of this because I think it, it'll just get the fan base back on board for giving it another chance. Yeah. And if it doesn't do it, then you're like, look, these characters just don't work. Let's kill it. Let's move on. So I think they're taking a lot of positive steps. Moving Albus Dumbledore more central, maybe pu- pu- pushing Newt a little more down here, making about Johnny versus uh, oh, yeah. Jude Law, and then have Steve Cloves here to bring a little more depth and weight to what J.K.'s already created, I think is a good idea. The thing I, I loved about the second one, and, and I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but like to me, the movie always picked up steam whenever Grindelwald was on screen. Mm. And I thought the stuff between him and Dumbledore were like the heart and soul of the film. And I love uh, Ezra Miller, and I felt like they were finally building to something with his character. But again, first two movies, I felt like he was very underused. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that the focus shifts to him as well in this third one. I'm betting right now that I like to have faith in everything, but I have no faith in this franchise. I just have <laughs> a feeling that it's not going to work out. And rather than take like the entire you know heap and put it in the trash, I think they're just going to remold it and make a series and put it on uh, HBO Max. That's not a bad idea. Really? I don't know, because... Mm. I understand. I understand the uh, the desire to cling to your IPs because there's built-in fan bases there, and especially with such a rich world like what J.K. Rowling did with the Harry Potter books and and then the films that came after them. Like you don't want to just give that up, and something new and fresh would be to put it in series format and. Also, with specifically what this whole world is, wouldn't you want to just live in it longer? It, it makes yeah. sense to me to just extend it out for like, give, give me like an eight, ten episode season of something. Yeah. Whether, just... whether it is something that pertains to Fantastic Beasts or just I, I, go anywhere with it. I mean, it's not just about Hogwarts. There are so many other mm-hmm. places right. you could explore. I think there's, you can make, and I know some people might get mad, but you can make a Star Wars comparison to this there is an entire world to explore there's a mythology there are centuries of stuff that has was introduced by jk rowling um either fully or in passing in her books to uh, all this past that goes on with the dumbledore and before dumbledore so so, there's so much to explore here that they could do if they wanted to turn into a series completely separate like the mandalorian is for star wars that's a whole it's a separate thing that may connect up at moments with the overall mythology of the show of the of the franchise but with this you could do that with potter absolutely there's some and people having worked there for a year and a half people love potter people come in droves for that stuff it still moves them because it speaks to them as kids and as adults and so I, I think that's why people are upset with how Fantastic Beasts has kind of fumbled the ball here because they want to fall back in love with this world and this universe and these characters um, and you can make also uh, not to talk too much but you can also ask questions like you were asking of Benioff and Weiss once JK went off the source material which is what she had written you wonder like well they're kind of writing uh, as they go along same thing Benioff and Weiss with 7 and 8 of Game of Thrones maybe not as powerfully without that source material so you see that that's really important I also just think that I mean the truth is with this is that you can't live up to the hype of the original mm. you know they this is based on a beloved book series and and they did you know there was so much passion and dedication put into it and I feel like as much as maybe no one wants to say this, this this essentially is a cash grab, to to kind of reinvent this the, the magic of those films, and I don't think that they're ever going to be able to create that, even if they go the TV route. Mm. I don't think so yeah. because I think it's just when you have those films and it's so beloved by by millions of people, unless you have someone come out and really write like really rich stories again that you can have these new characters that you really base on, you're, you're pulling from scraps for this movie. And, th- and I think that's what the big problem mm. is with fans is that they know that there's not much to go on and they want to see more of the Wizarding World, mm. but it's never going to live up to the, the expectations of the, of the first. All right. Well, we're going to have to sit, wait, and see what happens with this one. If uh, you have more faith in Fantastic Beasts 3 than we do and the franchise well beyond that, let us know in the comments (laughs) below. We want to squeeze in an extra story today because 
This whole James Dean thing is very, very interesting. I'm going to tell you the basics from the Collider.com article. So apparently what's happened is that James Dean, an iconic movie star, of course, who passed in 1955 at the age of 24, he's actually been cast in a new movie called Finding Jack. It was announced that Dean will be digitally resurrected via full-body CGI using actual footage and photos of the actor, allowing him to play a role in the film. Before I toss it to you guys, a couple of reactions we have right now Mm. in the chat. J.P. Starlin said, I'm okay with it. The more James Dean, the better I say. Zeno Hour says, I think it's insane and exploitative. Luke Nelson says, CGI James Dean will be a critical and commercial failure. And Carlos Lopez said, I think a CGI James Dean is insulting to living actors and potentially destroy a past actor's legacy. Let James rest in peace and his actual work speak for itself. What say you? Is this the worst idea in the world or is there something to it? This is a weird idea. Um, it gives me vibes of, do you remember, God, I, I'm, this is going to be like a really nerdy independent thing, but do you remember about 10 years ago, there was that George Bush um, movie. There was like a shooting of a president, the killing of a death of a president. Oh, yeah, yeah, Where yeah. they took like footage of George Bush and put him in the movie. Mm. This gives me vibes mm. of that where it's just kind of like, it's not okay. And like they're doing it anyhow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I feel about that. It's just it's it's a bizarre. But th- what is with our obsession of this? Because was it was it Diane? Who's the uh, musician who they're also talking about putting the CGI? Well, yeah, you know what I'm talking well, about. Well, they brought yeah. back they- Tupac. Uh, oh, and that my performance. God. Yes. And didn't they do some? Was that in concert? Wasn't there an mm. in concert yes. thing too? Yeah. Yes. Recently, yep. that's what I'm saying. Like mm. this just all seems wrong. It- it yeah. just all seems wrong. It, there's like legal issues. There's ethical issues. There's a lot of issues oh, all across the board. I also think what Carlos said in his about um, potentially destroying an actor's legacy, I right. don't think it'll go that far. But when you do think about it, you know, someone makes their own individual choices with their art. And you're essentially using someone's likeness and giving that individual no choice because they're not here to make any choices. I mean, that in and of itself, just feels flat out wrong to me. Well, look, 10 years ago, I'd agreed with, I would have agreed with both of you. But I've kind of come around on this, and I'm okay with it. If the estate says you can use the likeness, and th- this is how it works, and the estate says you can do it, then go do it. If it fails, nobody comes to see it. Guess what? Like any capitalist system and like any system <laughs> of Hollywood, they're not going to do it again. So it's like if people don't want to come to it, they won't. I personally enjoyed the Grand Moff Tarkin stuff that they did with Rogue One. Not so much the Leia stuff because it yeah. felt like they didn't put as much effort into uh-huh. that as they did with Tarkin. So And in Ruth rewatches, it holds up as well. People were mentioning Gemini or the article mentions Gemini Man. That was a little weird and creepy to look at. I don't think it was quite there. But this is where we're going with the technology and what they want to do and it was what people said back in the 90s early 90s late 80s when they started using Fred Astaire in commercials and Marilyn Monroe in commercials and John Wayne in commercials where they were kind of weaved into this people were like afraid that they were going to start bringing these people in there was rumors about oh and Brando did if you see that documentary that came out maybe three or four years ago Brando had himself shot in 3D in case they ever wanted to use him yeah. in the future in films because yeah. he thought the technology was going to catch up where they'd start using uh, actual actors who passed away in film. So some people knew ahead of time this was coming and adjusted accordingly. So I have no problem with this as long as they treat it with respect and do a good job with it. There's nothing, there's, you know, we see with Hardcore Henry, there's, there's new ways to do film. So why not approach it, see what happens. But the market would tell you if there's a market for it. And if there isn't, You'll stop doing it. Yeah. I don't think the sky is falling. I, I don't. I'm not going to go as far to say the sky is falling, <laughs> no. but it it does feel like a little bit of a tipping point. It's like you bring off you bring up the uh, the Tarkin example. Yeah. 
That was for a cameo. That was for, you know, what, seconds of footage? That was absolutely nothing. This is being described as a secondary role in the film. To be able to bring someone back to that extent is completely different. And I also think a completely different example would be aging people down like they did in The Irishman. Mm. I think that was, was you know, a responsible and pretty good use of the technology in that Mm -hmm. case. And when it comes to Will Smith and Gemini Man, yeah, they took a swing. They tried something new. And it was Will Smith playing both roles. Right. The fact that this isn't James Dean at all is is very alarming to me. And the thought that we could be heading towards a future where we're just bringing people back and not giving a new generation opportunities is yet another thing that concerns me. I don't know. This oh, just has yeah. this just has like a million red flags I mean, stuck it, in it, it to it's me. It's very problematic because what does it what statement does it make about the current state of actors too? Oh. I don't know. No. I, I just you think there's I like, think. like, like the fact that you know we 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 hail we love our movie stars, right? Mm. We 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 praise them, we idolize them. So, could we get to a point if if something like this ends up taking off, mm. where we say like, you know, I don't want this to happen anytime soon, but like whenever a Pacino or De Niro or someone like that passes, do we get them to sign sign on so we can do this with them? But. I don't know. I, I just have problems because, like, it takes away from the craft of acting. And, like... This is a very good point you make, yeah. Scott, because is the... Tech, like, with Tarkin, you had an actor come yes. in and do the mm-hmm. voice. So, you're able to, so who is going to really nail James Dean? We've been right. doing these deep fakes here at Collider, and you've seen them do, you know, kind of come close to George Lucas, come close to things. So how close will it come to James Dean? Because as good as Josh is doing that voice of George Lucas, the actor who plays George Lucas in our deep fakes, he's not quite 100% George Lucas. Who is going to 100% be James Dean or 100% be Brando, yes. 100% be Marilyn Monroe, and catch the nuances of what made us fall in love with them and respect their work? I think that's where it becomes yes. a conundrum for sure. You can bring them physically back in terms of the visual side of it, but can they bring the essence of the actor right. back? And, and that's what makes us fall in love with them. It still all feels like trickery to me. Yeah, and it, and I, I don't like mm. it. Yeah, it's a gimmick. It feels like, you know, we're talking about the obsession with IPs and bringing things back as cash grabs. That's kind of what this feels like to me, too. It's not necessarily a reflection on the crop of young actors rising up. I think it's desperation among studios and filmmakers to try to find, you know, the next big thing, even if it does take away from someone's legacy or feel like trickery. I think it's just very dangerous waters to start wading in. That's what I don't understand. Like, who, like, I'm sorry. Again, I I, got to step outside of our bubble. Who outside of our bubble is really going to care about a James Dean movie? Well, and that's what I mean. The market will tell you, right? Well, you know what else upsets me about this now that I think about it? And, you know, the, the whole, you know, tricking a viewer thing. It would be really upsetting to me if somebody out there discovered James Dean through a non-James oh, right. Dean performance and didn't go 100%. back and watch uh, his yeah. original work. That, I mean, yes. like, can you imagine, like, the warped views we'll have on Hollywood icons if this continues and young moviegoers wind up looking at these new movies and not what made them famous to begin with? Let me ask you a question. Um, if they bring back Heath Ledger to play the Joker in a future no. the Batman movie, no. what's the reaction to that? No. Abs- absolutely not. If his not. estate signs off on it and they want to go forward with it because they haven't cast a Joker, obviously, in this new Batman, the Batman series, would you want to see Heath Ledger? People no. love that Joker so much. No, because you don't it's think not... Enough, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's not Heath Ledger. Yeah. Right. It's it's like, you know, now I'm thinking about all of my horror movies <laughs> when like someone wants to bring a loved one back yeah. from the dead. Mm. It's yeah. not your real Pet loved cemetery. one. It's not church. <laughs> it's not really him. It's we have so many movies and books out there yeah. warning us of this exact now, actually, you know what? This is what I want them to use this technology <laughs> yeah. for. I want them to turn a movie like this into a horror movie where yes. they bring someone back from the dead to be in a movie and that entity, whatever it is, <laughs> winds up being like an AI killer or something and comes back and gets all the moviegoers that or all the executives that I don't know. It. All right. Let's uh. get one quick question from the live chat before we have to close out today's show. How about this one from MK Songbird? What director who has released both their directorial debut and follow-up film this decade has stood out to you the most? And uh, M.K. Somberg mentions Jennifer Kent, which is a great pick. Mm. Do you have anybody else? I have one. 
because okay. we were talking about Kelvin Harrison Jr., Trey Edward Schultz. Watch out for him because oh, yeah. I could I actually wait. Was his first film not this decade, technically? No, it was It was this decade. What year was it? Uh, 2014. Oh, 14. Yeah. I don't know why, for some reason, I had 2009, and then oh, this I started is a, to I have actually have good... I mean, uh, Ryan Coogler. God, you took my answer. All right. Sorry. No, I was... Well, no, you know why we know this? Because we, we did this in our, in our group. Oh, so right. The group yes. conversation, yes. so I'm thinking of like all these... Fair so, point, uh, that's right. Damien Chazelle. Chazelle's uh, a great choice, yeah. yes. So there's a lot of there's a lot of. Oh, people. yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Uh, no, 2015. Was, for, so for the short, was the short in 2014? The short was 2014. Okay. So Krisha was 2015, then it was It Comes at Night in 2017, yeah. and this year, of course, waves. we have Waves. Yes. Yeah. Waves is uh, Phenomenal. excellent. Please... Please do not miss that movie yes. if you haven't seen it. You've been pushing waves for quite I, some time. I yeah. love waves so much. What about uh, Jeremy Saulnier? When was his first? Blue Ruin was early two uh, thousand. Wait, wait. Know. All right, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. So Jeremy know, I, Saulnier did Blue Ruin in 2013. Then it was Green Room in 2015. Hold the Dark in 2018. Hold the Dark. Oh, no, wait. The Murder Party was 2007. I'm not playing by the rules anymore. No. Can you argue Jordan Peele? Can you, you can argue? Yeah. You can order. You can definitely, definitely yes. order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I mean, Ryan Coogler, I think, is strong. I mean, um, Denis Villeneuve, who we, we, who we were talking about, but the, he's done like right. foreign yeah. stuff before then, right. but like more of his mainstream stuff came out all in the 2000s. Alex Garland. I, I like oh, Ex Machina. Alex, Alex yeah, Garland's yeah. a great yeah. pick. I'll defend Annihilation. I yeah. like that film. Yeah. Ex Machina was what, 2013? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember dates yeah. now. Uh, 2014, but 14. yes, close enough. I think, yeah. it, what, did it premiere at South by 2013 like or something <laughs> yeah, like that? Did. I don't know. Somewhere, probably yeah. right. I'm trying. Yeah. Not, I'm not good with remembering the dates. Who did again? Nightcrawler with um, Dan Gilroy. Yes. Is, is he? Was Wait, he? Yeah. Is Gilroy? yeah Gilroy. Dan Gilroy. Does but, he uh, qualify? But does does Dan Gilroy really qualify because he had Nightcrawler? And do you think the other two movies really lived up to mm. Velvet the, Buzzsaw and? Uh, no, never mind. That then. other yeah. one with Denzel Washington. I did not I like Velvet that. Buzzsaw. Oh. Oh, Roman S. Roman. J. Is really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah, one was points. so disappointing. I remember seeing it at TIFF, and fair I was like, points. "Oh my god!" And then they recut it, just like the current war. Oh, uh, we don't. We got some. We got things. some good picks here, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We got. We got a nice lineup of. Uh, How about Yorgos Lanthimos? That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. With the lobster. Yeah. Yep. Wow, I can't believe. Yeah, you're so right about that. And when you look at like the volume of great films he's delivered, just how quickly they've all come at us. I mean, that's that's a great answer. Yeah. All right, I'm satisfied ending on that. Note. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for spending your Wednesday morning with me, Adam thank in the you. booth, that in the live chat. Thank you so much for your help. Guys, head on over to Collider Live right now because at 10 a.m. PT, they go live, and on today's show is Jane Seymour. You're not going to oh. want to miss that. We will be back here. For Collider Movie Talk tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. PT. Do not miss it. Like and share this episode, and I will see you soon. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. (sighs) Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.